0: Today we're going to see some of the the benefits of a gospel partnership. gospel partnership benefits. I want to ask, our kids enjoyed some benefits from another commitment uh, this last week. They went to Krispy Kreme, and I I, I either had forgotten or really just didn't think about it, but Krispy Kreme will give you a free glazed donut for every A on your report card, I think up to six, so you can get a half a dozen Donuts, if you have A's on your report cards, Um, I'm not going to ask students to raise your hands if you've gotten donuts or not, but uh, one of my sister-in-laws was in town. She has uh, four children, and so she and her kids and Kim and our kids uh, bombarded a Krispy Kreme, um, and this is the picture. All of those are free donuts, so the students that didn't have all A's uh, got to benefit from the other students who did have a lot of A's. And everybody enjoyed donuts and they had a good time. So if you haven't taken advantage of that and you have A's on the report card, Krispy Kreme is your place to go. There's a couple other places. The next one shows uh, Chuck E. Cheese. I haven't been to Chuck E. Cheese in a long time. But you can give, um, and if, from what I understand, you can download this. And print it out to a student that you feel like it should be rewarded. And they can give, they'll give students 10 free tokens to use in the restaurant. How about Applebee's? Yeah, free kids meal. A is for Applebee's at some locations. You better call ahead and make sure that uh, yours does this. And then Jason's Deli, the last one. Uh, kid Cash. Cash is always good. If it's Kid Cash, Adult Cash, I'll take it. But some Jason's Deli locations will even reward kids. Uh, with Kid Cash that they can use to buy meals. So these are just some benefits. Four commitments of studying, of being a good student. In Philippians, Paul is telling the Philippian church that there are some benefits to gospel partnership. Uh, he's not saying, you know, this, you're going to get a better place in church or you're going to have a reserved parking space, you know, outside of the Philippian church meeting location or a free tour of Philippi. But he gives some benefits that are far greater than that. And I want you to, to join with me as we see this in this passage. First of all, we see that your profit shares will grow. As you invest, your spiritual profit shares will grow. We see this in Philippians 4.17. Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases, and notice this phrase, that increases to your credit. So he uses a, an accounting kind of in investment language here that your profit shares will grow. Now, how is this going to happen? First of all, with a proper focus on the source, not the resource. And I've mentioned several times in the past, and it made a really big impression on me, and a message that I heard from Tony Evans about how God is our source. Now, I want to look at a couple uh, definitions that we have. They're coming. All right, so if resource is a stock or supply of money, materials, staff, and other assets that can be drawn on by a person. Now note, this is Oxford's uh, definition. Source, however, is a place, a person, or thing from which those things come. So there are many different resources that God uses, and oftentimes those resources will change throughout our lifetime. Now as humans... It's very easy for us to become dependent on the resources. A person, an individual, a job, um, maybe some relationship, some some benefits that we have from those resources. And we we become dependent on those and we think, you know, that's where our sustenance comes from and that's where our, our things come from. But the reminder that Paul gives us is you need to focus on the source, God is the source of all those things, and he'll use different people at different times and different even organizations and sometimes even unbelievers to meet our needs and to encourage us and to uh, advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thought it was amazing. Uh, last A uh, little bit before Thanksgiving, Jessica works for UPS and found out about a program where um, they match... Um, gifts, charitable donations, and you give it through their system, and then they'll match that, I think up to $2,000, up to $2,500. And so she made a donation to One Hope Church, and UPS gave money to One Hope Church to be able to advance the gospel of Christ by matching that. Amen? Amen? Now, if UPS really thought about what they were giving money for, for One Hope Church, they probably wouldn't give. But because of this, God uses even some secular resources to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Those are resources, but God is the source. Paul's already made it clear in Philippians 4. He's, he's not coming to Philippian church and saying, I just want more. I want you to give more. But in in essence, he explains, no, I want fruit to increase to your credit. I want these profit shares to grow for you. Secondly, we see with a proper focus on the future dividends rather than the initial investment. With a proper focus on the future dividends rather than the initial investment. Paul doesn't want them to miss out, in essence. He's saying, this is an opportunity for you to invest spiritually. Don't miss it. Uh, Shortly after we we had moved to Brazil, we were renting an apartment and uh, we were uh, planning on just renting another house once we finished language school. Uh, But our our co-worker who had grown up in Brazil and he had been back in Brazil uh, already at that time for a few years as an adult missionary And he said, David, he said, now is the time to buy a house. I'm like, well, that's good, Nathan. I'm glad for you that you buy a house. We have no money, my friend. He said, find it. Figure out a way. Call a rich uncle. Call somebody. You've got to figure out. I'm just telling you, David, this is the time based on the economy here in Brazil, based on the exchange rate of the dollar, you've got to take advantage this time right now to buy a house or else you'll probably never be able to do it again. So we, did, we were newly married, we didn't have any, anything saved, we didn't you know, have a rich uncle to call, and we, we began to pray, you know, Lord, if this is your will, help this to come to pass. I don't know how this is going to happen. And in the end, Kim's parents graciously refinanced their home and allowed us to use that, those funds, that cash to buy a house, and then we just paid back their mortgage payment. But Nathan and that's was saying, David, this is an investment opportunity. You need to take advantage of it. Don't miss out. And many times since that day, I've gone back and I said, Nathan, thank you. Thank you for the wisdom you had, for, for encouraging me and challenging me. Paul is saying spiritually, listen, Philippian church, don't miss this. This is an opportunity that you have to invest spiritually and your profit shares will grow. This isn't just for me that, I, that, you, that I'm going to be blessed, but you will have fruit that will increase to your credit. Secondly, we see not only that your profit shares will grow, but that your faith in God's provision will increase. Philippians 1, 5 through 6, Paul has already said, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and I am sure of this, he says, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Paul's saying, you can trust in him. This is gonna happen. The source, God, will help you to fulfill this. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, jump ahead to Philippians 4 and verse 19, and it'll be up on the screen. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. While our house was under construction here, we caught it you know we saw it in time it was already dried in but we saw it in time that we were able to pick out some tile and paint colors and flooring and, and those things and that was that was a fun thing to do to be able to pick out different things but it was frustrating at the same time because it was still kind of in the middle of COVID there were a lot of supply chain problems and and often we would see something we're like that would look great oh we don't have that in stock and we're like, okay well let's pick something else And even after the house was completed, there was a tile that we wanted in our kitchen, and it was a month or two after we had already moved in that they were able to come back and finally get that tile in stock and come back and finish off uh, the kitchen. Paul is saying, listen, God's never gonna lack. He's never gonna be out of stock. We're never gonna have to pray and say, God, you know, can you do it again? Do you have enough? Paul says, no, my God will supply your every need. Now notice... It's not just our desires, our wishes. It's not a Christmas wish list. It's not a uh, you know birthday uh, wish list or, or something we register for at, at Walmart. Every need we have, it says that God will supply. This is the same Christ who fed the multitudes. He calmed the sea. He brought Lazarus back to life. He turned water into wine. He promised to go and prepare a place for us. That he would go and he would come back and take us to that place. This is the same Jesus who brokered the most significant peace treaty ever in Ephesians 2. He says, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. Some of you were separated and by the wrath of God, you were were dead in your trespasses and sins. But he says, I am your peace. This is the same Jesus, the same God who we can look to, who will supply our every need, Paul says. Warren Wearsby paraphrased it. Like this, so if, he, if we were to paraphrase Paul's, what Paul said, maybe we could say it something like this. You met my need, and God is going to meet your need. You met one need that I have, but my God will meet all of your needs. You gave out of your poverty, but God will supply your needs out of his riches and glory. God's faithfulness, as we see him provide, our faith in him will grow. A. W. Tozier said, "But God does not need anything because when you give God anything, you only give what God gave you in the first place. So that's a good thing to remember. God wants us to give and invest. It's not because He's lacking and He's hoping. Why, man? I hope David gives me, you know, back some of his stuff. But it's an act of worship." It's an act of stewardship that I can come back and say, God, yes, I want you to use my life and my my house and my car and my talents and the, the, the financial investments that I have. God, use it all to leverage for the gospel. Those are some of the benefits that we experience. Now, what are some of the results of that? Gospel partnership results. We see in verse 18 of Philippians 4 that gospel partners are encouraged. Gospel partners are encouraged. Before we look at verse 18 in Philippians 4, I'm going to read a few verses that we've already seen in other chapters, but set the stage. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, I'm going to pick out just a couple of phrases. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Then later in that passage, he says, I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus." Let me ask you, do you think Paul was encouraged by the Philippians' partnership with him? By, by this language, do you think Paul was encouraged? I mean, he uses, yeah, just saying, I'm, I'm yearning for you and I, I'm longing. I, I have this affection for you in Christ Jesus. He was greatly encouraged. Philippians 1.14 says, And most of the brothers, having, been com- having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So because of Paul's imprisonment and the continued partnership with the Philippian believers and just this this continuity of of advancing the gospel, there were other brothers who said, let's go, let's go for it, let's advance the gospel even more. So gospel partners are encouraged. Philippians 4.21, Paul says, I'm sorry, verse 18 first, he says, I have received full payment and more, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. So Paul's sharing with him, I, I'm satisfied, I'm encouraged. Thank you for what you sent, for sending Epaphroditus and his part in that. And then in Philippians 4.21, it says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. So as we're involved in gospel partnerships, although we know in our head that the Christian family is much larger than just the One Hope family, although we know that in our head, sometimes it's difficult for us to really think about that. But as we're involved in gospel partnerships, and as is even we're experience in, in about a week, as 25 people come and serve with us for a week, as we've already had happened several times in our, in our church history, we're reminded that these are brothers and sisters in Christ. I met Thomas. Thomas, raise your hand. I met Thomas a few months ago, and Thomas found out about our church on a website. He's, he lives in the Jonesboro area, south of Atlanta, um, but he reached out to me, and we had supper together, and, and through his prayers, that's another way that God's using people, brothers and sisters in Christ, to partner in the gospel with us. So as we partner more and more, we're reminded, hey, we're not in this alone, this is a, a, an effort that God is using individuals all over metro Atlanta and all over the United States of America and then in the countries of the world, places that we've never even imagined. And God has often used and is using people, gospel literature, the radio, the internet, and in partnerships that are just beyond our scope because that is how big our God is. Gospel partners are encouraged Then we see that God is pleased, Philippians 4, 17 and 18. Not that I seek the gift, Paul already said, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And then notice the second part here, the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You know, it's interesting that that our partnership in the Philippian church, the partnership could be described with these words. You know, a fragrant and acceptable gift and pleasing to God. It's amazing that we as as limited human beings can do something that to God would be a fragrant smell. That to God would be an acceptable sacrifice that would please him. I want to show you the next slide here. It's, uh, I believe, the altar of incense. Paul begins to use a, a kind of in the metaphors. He's been talking about a spiritual investment and fruit that will increase our credit. And then now he says a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And it brings back even some imagery from the Old Testament, the altar of incense. In Exodus 30, verses 1 through 10, we learn more about this. And it was made of acacia wood. It was covered with gold. It was about 20 inches square at the top and about 40 inches tall, And each morning and each evening, Exodus 30 tells us, a special mixture of incenses was burned on the altar of incense. And this was a way to to bring worship and glory to God, Jehovah. And now in the New Testament, Paul says, by your gospel partnership and by all that you're doing for the Lord, this is a fragrant offering. This is a sacrifice acceptable to him. Now, I want you, don't miss what's next. The, what else is called a fragrant gift? Notice with me, I'll read it for you in uh, 2 Corinthians. No, let's read Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. I'm getting ahead of myself. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Notice, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Wow. So the fact of Christ's own death on the cross and how because of his love that he sacrificed himself for us, of course he rose again out of the power, the resurrection power, but that act of selfless love is called a fragrant offering. And then Paul describes our gospel partnership as a fragrant and acceptable and pleasing offering to God. I I can't understand that completely, that what we could do could please God to such an extent. Second Corinthians 2 and verse 15, Paul says to the Corinthian church, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. I, uh, I, I use, uh, occasionally I'll use cologne, normally just on Sundays, uh, but I, I thought it was, it was interesting to me as I would take the kids to soccer practice uh, Tuesday and Thursday nights for the last couple months. It's, the season's done now, but as a lot of middle school teenagers and high school teens would, boys would begin to come on the fields at Hubert Park. As they would pass, as some of them would pass, I would smell like this, it was almost like they took a bath in their cologne. I don't know if they don't take showers, so they just like douse themselves with more cologne every day. But they, they just had all of this cologne and as they passed by on the field, you could just like, whoo, they're here. And Paul says to the Corinthian church, we are the aroma of Christ. We're the fragrance, we're the cologne, we're the good smelling stuff of Christ to those who are being saved. Because it's, it is a message of hope, it's a message of grace, it's a message of forgiveness. We are that fragrance, that aroma of Christ. So God is pleased. Next we see in Philippians four twenty, God is glorified. To our God, verse 20, it says, to our God and Father be glory and forever Amen. Now Paul reminds the Philippians once again, and really all future believers, us included, that God is the one who should receive all the glory in this. The glory shouldn't be directed neither to the person who receives the partnership offering or gifts or whatever, nor the person who who gives that, who invests and who's interacting. Neither party should receive the glory, but God alone should receive the glory. So as we do things you know, in, in our church, as we advance the gospel, as we partner with other people, we can be excited about those things, but may God help us to never get to the day where we think of ourselves in a prideful manner and think, yeah, look at all that One Hope Church does. I've been in churches, and, and understand I just did not. I've been in churches in the past, and sometimes churches would support missionaries for $20 a month, and they their goal was to Uh, for the sun never to set on the church's mission family. Yeah, okay, the the sun never sets, but your, your, your investment, you may give money, but a lot of times their partnership was very little in prayer, very little communication, very little effort to actually interact and serve physically with those gospel partners, but yet they would get up Thank God the sun never sets on our mission family all over the world. Okay. Who's receiving the glory in that? Is, is God the one that's receiving the glory? And again, I'm not the Holy Spirit. Some had good intentions, just I think used the wrong strategy, but others it was clearly, this is all about what we've done. Look at what our church has done. May God help One Hope Church never to get to that point. May we humbly Accept the opportunities and embrace gospel partnerships and be humble that God even allows us to do things like that and that that we can be a cologne, a spiritual cologne and fragrance and aroma of Christ to those that are saved around the world. God is glorified. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says in Philippians 4.20. And then lastly, in the end of this chapter, this is uh, I love this part, that gospel deniers are reached. Gospel deniers are reached. Philippians chapter four and verse 22. He says, all the saints greet you, but then he notices this, especially those of Caesar's household. Was Caesar a, a dedicated, passionate follower of Jesus Christ? Yes or no? No. Do you think it was normal and natural that many people of Caesar's household would be dedicated and passionate followers of Jesus Christ? Yes or no? No. But yet, as Paul is in prison in Rome and as he's still available and willing, says, God, You've put me here. I'm going to write letters. I'm going to encourage people to come visit me. I'm going to witness to those who uh, are around me. And Paul, earlier in the book, you know, talks about that the gospel has made impact in the whole imperial palace. And then at the end of the book, fast forward, he comes back and he says, well, I'll read it to you. So in Philippians 1, 12 through 13, it says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, I've been in prison, has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And then at the end, he's not only able to say, the brothers that are with me greet you and all the other saints that greet you, but then he says, especially those of Caesar's household. They greet you as well. Now, Philippi was about 800 miles away from Rome, but it was a Roman colony. So although there was a pretty big distance there there's probably were some Philippian believers who had some connection or at least some knowledge of those who were part of Caesar's household. And Paul says, those that have come to know Christ, they greet you as well. You know, I, this is encouraging to me to think about as we, as we witness, as we plant the seeds of the gospel, as we spend time in developing redemptive relationships with people, and sometimes we wonder could this person really ever accept Christ as their savior? Am I wasting my time? Could this ever really happen? And as we see what Paul you know, reminds the Philippian believers here, the Caesar's household, there's some here that are, that are greeting you, that are now brothers and sisters in Christ. It encourages me to know that, yes, God can do what sometimes to us seems impossible. Those who are hardened those who've maybe been burned by the church in the past and at the first mention of anything religious, anything about Christ, they're like, I don't want that. It didn't, it didn't serve me well. I've known too many hypocritical, and he's like, oh, goodness. do I have any hope? Yeah, we do. If I continue to talk about Jesus Christ, if I continue to talk about the gospel that there's no hypocrisy in the gospel, what about those who say, I just don't believe there's a God at all? There's been many like that before who've come to know Christ as their Savior, and God is able. Gospel deniers are reached. Paul thanks them for sharing in his troubles and for thanking him, thanking them to come visit and sending gifts and all of these ways of advancing the gospels of Jesus Christ, so that in the end, more people can be reached for the gospel. I read recently, I've never met this individual or even the person who wrote this testimony, but we're part of Biblical Ministries Worldwide. It's a mission organization that uh, helps plant churches and helps uh, revitalize churches all over the globe. And Samuel Lopez served in Uruguay for many years. Recently, he passed away at the age of 90. But what impressed me more was not just that he, you know, had served Christ so long and that he had been in Uruguay, but what impressed me even more was what a lady named Miriam and her husband, Miguel, wrote about Samuel Lopez. They even worked with Samuel for a while, but notice her story. It says this, one day, 63 years ago, as Miriam writes, God used the preaching of Brother Samuel and I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Samuel preached the gospel with the power of the Spirit. I entered that evangelical church with great fear. As a Catholic, it had never occurred to me to enter a Protestant church. So I sat in the last pew, hoping that no one would notice me. Church was full of people, Samuel was already preaching. I began to look at the walls of the premises and I did not pay attention to the preacher thinking these evangelicals, they don't have any saints, they have no virgins, they have no candles, they have no flowers. How empty this place is. Instead, as I looked at the wall to my left, I saw the words, huge letters. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. I thought, I thought, That must be important for them to put it in letters so big. I accepted Christ, my personal Savior, that day, and I can say that it was the most wonderful day of my life. Then my husband and my little daughter were converted. Then our entire family, our parents and uncles and cousins and nephews were converted. Only one family member, my brother, has not yet accepted God's gift of salvation. We thank and give glory to God for so many blessings We thank our brother Samuel for his preaching and the many prayers for us that he and his family raised before the throne of grace during all these years. I've never met Samuel. I've never met Miriam. One day we will. But Miriam, in essence, is kind of like doing doing what Paul says and saying, you know, the the saints here in Caesar's household want to greet you. And Miriam is thinking back and saying, because of the preaching of Pastor Samuel, I accepted Christ and my husband and my kids and my cousins and my my parents and and all of these because gospel deniers are reached with the gospel. This is still true in 2023. It still happens in metro Atlanta. It's difficult. Sometimes it's time-consuming. Sometimes it seems like our efforts aren't making much difference. But the Holy Spirit is working May we be courageous to continue to advance the gospel. Now, there's two bookends, two kind of ways Paul starts the letter and then ends the letter. Philippians 1, 2, he starts and he says this, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the very beginning of the letter, he begins to talk about grace and peace that we need from God our Father. Now at the very end, notice what he says in Philippians 4, 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And friends, by God's grace, you and I can intercede. We can interact. We can invest. By God's grace, he's gonna allow us to, to reap some of those benefits of those commitments. Our profit shares, spiritual profit shares are gonna grow Our faith in God as being the source, the provider will increase. The results that that we've just looked at, that gospel partners are going to be encouraged and God will be pleased and he'll be glorified and gospel deniers will be reached. All of this happens because of the grace of God in our life. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning?